on today's show. Why might church leaders be afraid to reach out and care for missionaries? I think it's a case of being across various cultures. It's probably a case where one, kind of an out of sight, out of mind mentality. And so your time zones apart and your cultures apart. And so it's a case of, I don't know how to relate to them and the frequency with which I need to communicate. And uh, even a bit of, I'm not going to be able to relate to them much less, are they going to be able to relate to me? And so I think almost a bit of apathy even to the idea of are we able to relate to each other and therefore are we able to provide uh, the necessary care that's needed would be a major component to that. Ryan Martin, Director of Missions at Lightbearers, joins the show to explain. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Cookman, Director of Advancement and Communications with ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, West Coast Advancement Coordinator with ABWE and Pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. Good to see you again, Scott. Been a little while since you and I have been in the saddle here recording, of course, for our listeners. They don't know that, but uh, we're grateful to everyone that listens loyally week in and week out. If you've been blessed by the show, uh, there's some things you can do. Remember, if you've ever been benefited by the Missions Podcast as we try to unite these worlds of thinking and going, go to missionspodcast.com slash support to show your support. Help us bring you this content uh, in a way that God can use and bless. And also remember to follow and subscribe, share it with a friend, all those wonderful things. And what really helps is leaving a positive rating and review that helps get this content in front of others who can be blessed by it. But Scott, what year was it? It was, it was uh, 2016 that you recruited me to ABWE, right? Is that, is that accurate? That sounds right. Uh, Let's go with that. We met in 2015 and probably 2016 is when you officially started doing stuff for ABWE. Yeah. Yeah. My heart was at ABWE much sooner than the actual year that you recruited me. You know, you, you join any kind of organization and it has its own lingo and jargon, uh, especially ministry organizations, parachurch organizations, they all have their unique Christianese and their acronyms and things like that. I remember coming to ABWE and learning about this thing called member care. Um, and uh, it, it it's a little bit of an odd turn of phrase. At, at least that's what my mind went to at first, member care. Okay, because we never call our missionaries members, but okay, that's fine. They are members of the organization. We call them missionaries, but we have this member care department. I remember learning about, and you and I would work a lot with them on various things as people were joining as missionaries. We were working together in mobilization back in those glory days, back in the good old days, Scott, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Glory days. <laughs> and then, and then care, you know, so, uh, okay. Having a department that does care. I mean, I care. No one's paying me to care, right? You care. Sometimes I care. <laughs> some days I, some days I do. Right. right. Some days I care. On my best days, I care. You know, so so coming in as an outsider who was not a missionary on the field, those are some of the questions that I'm asking. And then mm-hmm. um, I, I have I had probably a, a full year at least of a learning curve into my role when when you brought me on as director of long term mobilization and people are calling questions. And, and here I thought that being a mobilizer for ABWE would be getting on the phone with people and saying, hey, you know, there's two point nine billion unreached people groups in the world join and list as a missionary. No, they already know that they're like, you know, what's what's your admin fee? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or what kind of training do I need? What's the cost <laughs> of living that people have very practical, tangible questions at that point. And you know what people asked a lot about? Maybe you've had similar conversations. They'd ask, what's your member care department like? What kind of member yeah. care resources do you 
do you offer? You got questions like that too. Yeah. And, and even as a pastor, I had those questions. I, I, I had the privilege of interviewing a longtime member of our church in Michigan uh, on the 175th anniversary of our church. And it had been, you know, 50, 60 years that we had been actively engaged in cross-cultural ministry. And we had a 80 some year old uh, man in our church who had served in Africa as a, as a missionary. And the stories he told me um, were heartbreaking of, of having two children um, within a very short window of time, get sick and die on the field. Mm. And, um, and then their middle child being put into a school and she was terrorized because she kept thinking, when am I going to die? My other, other two siblings died. And, and then just traveling around from spot to spot and, and eventually their health was ruined and had to come off the field. And we're dealing with a lot of things that they didn't even know <laughs> that they were, that they didn't understand the ideas of trauma and, and, uh, and even this idea of missionary care. And it was just kind of simply, Hey, you're serving Jesus. So suck it up and, and keep going. Um, so it, it brought to my mind, even then that there has to be a better way to care for missionaries and the, the the things that missionaries go through, whether that's being kicked out of a country and having to relocate or even just living in a third culture and raising a family there or the, the trauma of reentry after even a good ministry uh, are just things that the average person doesn't really deal with. And the average pastor doesn't think through. So it's really good to have uh, someone who's thought a lot about this and not just a lot about it from a practical standpoint, but thought about it biblically in a deep way. And this is Ryan A. Martin. And I I don't think you ever go by Ryan A. Martin, but we call you that because we had a Ryan J. Martin, who is my longtime friend, was in my was a groomsman at my wedding and spoke about the name Jonathan sounded Edwards. familiar. OK, now it all yeah, comes together. We did have him Ryan on. Martin. So, I mean, we, it, didn't I think we talk about Jonathan Edwards with him or something? We did. We did. Okay. So uh, this is exciting for me. I want to see how many Ryans we can get on this show. But uh, <laughs> Ryan, welcome to our show. He's the so director of two. missions at Light Bears. Uh, he, he's going to talk about that in a second. He's a graduate of, of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and pr- currently pursuing his uh, Doctor of Ministry from Southeastern, writing on this topic. Uh, married, three kids, and they live in one of the most underrated cities in the country, in my opinion, Fayetteville, Arkansas. So uh, go ahead, Ryan, with that introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself, why Fayetteville is a great place for missionary mobilization, and uh, in your role with Light Bears. Great. Well, thanks for having me on the Missions Podcast. I uh, have listened uh, quite regularly and have enjoyed uh, the conversations uh, around all things related to, to thinking and going and sending and receiving uh, missionaries. So grateful to be on today. Uh, Scott, as you said, uh, I'm married to Rebecca. We've been married uh, 11 years this November. We have three kids, all with missionary names. Uh, Hudson, obviously named after Hudson Taylor. Annie, named nice. after uh, the mission mobilizer Annie Armstrong uh, here in North America. And then Hattie is our youngest. Uh, she's named after uh, a unsung hero uh, in the missions world, um, Hattie Garner, who went out from uh, her local church in South Carolina. And so uh, don't have any initially connection to her, except we were just looking for missionary names and ran across that mm-hmm. name and uh, felt the Lord leading us to, to name our third uh, child. Or second Lottie daughter. was just too in your face, I guess, huh? Well, there was already a family uh, member that had taken that <laughs> name. So we went, we went with Hattie instead. So, but, Lottie was too it. on the nose. Yeah, You know, I, tried to convince my wife to name our daughter Dunford and um, just it, it didn't so, 
<laughs> so glad you, I'm so glad ground. that she prevailed on that poor girl. <laughs> you know, you know, these kids these days and their and their crazy names. Um, so, so Ryan, you've written this series. Bears. Yeah. Well, I, I want to hear about light bears, Alex. Okay. Don't, don't, don't cut us off. <laughs> yeah, I've been previously have uh, served on staff in the local church, uh, the last 13 years at university Baptist, uh, here in Fayetteville as missions pastor and have recently transitioned to light bears and light bears is a, a pear church ministry that was started back in the mid nineties, actually over in Norman, Oklahoma and uh, transitioned over to Fayetteville, but was started uh, with a desire to see college students be discipled, uh, trying to really add a, uh, two emphases. One, to close the gap in the number of college students that are leaving the church during their collegiate years. And then secondly, to see mission dollars get to the least reached parts of the world. And so both of those um, desires kind of came together in the founding of, of Light Bears. And so it is a, a pair church ministry that does residential discipleship with college-age students, here in Fayetteville, we have uh, our primary ministry operations, but we also have ministry operations over in Starkville, Mississippi, as well as in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And so we own residential property in and around college campuses. And students that are in the Light Bearers program commit to two years in the program while they're taking uh, studies in uh, their undergraduate programs. And they are mentored by a, uh, a local church member. Uh, who walks with them and disciples them over the course of that that two years. They also then attend uh, the Light Bears Institute, which is a two-year, four-semester program that covers four semesters of Old and New Testament and then systematic and applied theology. And that's all taught by local church pastors and Light Bear staff. And then we see rent money that's generated off of the property then go to help fund church planting work in the 1040 window. And so that's how the missions component uh, is tied into that. And so we're able to, through the program, obviously mobilize them towards the nations. Uh, we don't want to uh, take um, the place of the local church or, you know, usurp right. the, the local church's role uh, or even see ourselves as a sending organization, but more so a discipleship ministry that seeks to, in the fray of our ministry, mobilize students towards the nations. And so able to equip students in that way, be able to take them on trips, to be able to see partners yeah. that Light Bears supports and see where the rent money is going towards and be able to help even set uh, hopefully a, a good foundation and trajectory for their lives to be uh, sent uh, for the sake of the gospel uh, around the globe once they graduate. Very cool. Uh, we approve. We approve. That is That's awesome. exciting, encouraging <laughs> to hear about. Uh, I, I have a question. I think I'm allowed to ask it now. So I, I kind of yeah, got a little I, too I'm excited sorry. earlier. I was, I was a little little too hand slappy there. But you know, I did want to hear about okay. it. You, kinda, you know, you I, rush on the head. I slap your hand a lot, so I probably That's deserve true. it. So now I'm going to ask a question, <laughs> and it's that you've written this series of articles on the Upstream Collective, which, by the way, if our listeners aren't familiar with the Upstream Collective, go to that website because a lot of good resources for churches on the sending side there. Um, and uh, you, you've written articles on what missionary care or member care uh, look like biblically. And, and again, I, I think we've got this kind of simple idea of like, well, of course, we should care and we should support and pray and pick up the phone every now and then with our missionaries. Um, but but you you show that there's there's probably a lot more of the New Testament that's about these things than we would assume. So uh, why'd you write that series? And what what's essentially the case that you're making? Sure. Yeah, I think part of it really stemmed from just being in the local church and a missions pastor role and being able to have a front row seat 
to our partners that, that we were supporting. And really over the last two to three years, uh, COVID certainly played uh, a role in it. But I think even before that, just seeing uh, the one principle that a lot of churches see the sending of missionaries really as the finish line more so than the starting point. And so we commission them off and we send them out. And then it's kind of one of those where, sure, we may send an email every now and then, or we may highlight them during a special missions offering emphasis week. Uh, But beyond that, uh, we don't really see that the local church uh, is to be the lead player and the the lead role in in that care component. Oftentimes, I think local churches, too, have just passed off the role of missionary care to agencies and see that they're going to have a lot more resources uh, to be able to to handle that. And certainly uniquely, uh, they are able to focus in particular areas. But I think even as we've seen uh, from New Testament examples in particular, that really it is the local church that needs to take uh, the lead, lead role and, and um, be the lead player in that. Uh, and two, I think it, it was just a case uh, where Uh, I began to see even from our own partners where that was becoming uh, an acute need for them, uh, be it because they had kids that were, they were struggling to acclimate to the field or be it because they were longtime missionaries who were now empty nesters and they were moving from more of a village setting in say South Africa into a more of an urban setting. And they were having to adjust to to those uh, different cultures on the field, but then also they were finding that they were uh, just running themselves very thin and almost having to come back off the field such that they didn't reach a point of burnout. And so beginning to take a a more active role and active approach as a local church to really begin to uh, care for those people. But then also, too, I think just helping the local church see that uh, sending and supporting and caring all those um, avenues of uh, missionary support that the local church is is called from the scriptures to help provide and, and is called to do. I think is supposed to be a total church buy-in. It's not just to be reserved mm-hmm. for the leadership of the church to do those things, but really each member has a part to play. And I think even too, uh, the church can can see themselves uh, being invested more so in, in the accomplishing of the Great Commission as they're seen uh, both in that sending role, uh, but then also in providing missionary care. So as you're going through some of this writing, and I know you're doing a lot of diving into beyond what you've just written on a blog, of course, but what are some of the key passages that you're bumping into and interacting with that really highlight the need for missionary care? I mean, we're talking about Paul, who's functioning as a missionary and and dealing in a missions community of sorts. Uh, What what, what are some of these passages that that you're finding that speak to these, these issues? One of the passages that I started out with was 3 John uh, verses 5 to 8, where we see uh, John commending Gaius for receiving in what were really itinerant missionaries uh, into that church. Uh, Certainly those missionaries may have been known within kind of that broader community, uh, but he commends Gaius uh, for his hospitality and, and receiving those missionaries in. But then in turn, as they were able to stay with that church for a period of time, Gaius and that church then send them off uh, in a manner uh, worthy of God uh, for the purpose of sending them out for the sake of the name. And so uh, really using that passage as a foundation to say pre-filled care and really uh, even before we send missionaries out is a, is a key component 
to the missionary uh, to the missionary's care even before they reach the field. Um, then I also looked uh, secondly at Philippians two verses twenty five to thirty uh, as a passage that speaks to on the field care, uh, where we see the relationship between Paul and Epaphroditus, uh, where I think all of us are, are well familiar with just the relationship that Paul had with the church at Philippi, even as we see from Philippians 4, where he commends them for the partnership that they shared in the gospel. And part of that partnership was uh, the sending of uh, Epaphroditus to Paul, even while he was imprisoned. And uh, the great sacrifice, uh, not only for uh, that church to send Epaphroditus, but then also to the sacrifice that Epaphroditus incurred, uh, as the passage uh, points to the fact that he uh, endured great hardship, even physically, in terms of going and serving Paul for a period of time. But then Paul then uh, sees a point at which he needed to send Epaphroditus back to the church at Philippi and, and uh, admonishes that church to receive Epaphroditus back uh, in a way that would celebrate uh, just his sacrifice and service to Paul and, and wanted to commend, the, again, the church at Philippi for sending one of their own to stand alongside Paul for a period of time. And then thirdly, I think not only pre-field care, on-the-field care, but then also post-field care as we receive missionaries back. Uh, even as I've uh, surveyed missionaries on the field, this is one of the areas that keeps coming up uh, is, you know, if churches are um, maybe unfamiliar or unaware uh, or weak in a particular area of missionary care, if they're doing missionary care at all, it's in that re-entry phase and just not knowing how to receive missionaries back from the field. And so looking at Acts 14, particularly verses 27 and 28, uh, where Paul and Barnabas come back to the church at Antioch, where they were sent out in Acts 13, and they spend uh, what Luke says there, no little time with them. In other words, they spent as, as much time as was needed uh, to be able to report back to that church all that God had done, particularly opening a door of faith uh, for them to proclaim the gospel throughout Asia Minor. And so... There, you see there just an accountability that Paul and Barnabas felt to that church to go back there and to be able to report all that uh, all that God had done and to be able to share uh, not only in uh, the successes, but also in the failures and the struggles that they experienced mm -hmm. along the way in that first missionary journey. And so really using that, again, as a, as a foundation for what it looks like to receive missionaries back from the field. So, Ryan, that's a helpful biblical foundation. While you were sharing some of that, out of curiosity, I, I dove into Google Trends and looked at j just the word care. Now, that word is a, it's a big generalized word, right? I mean, you talk about health care. What, what does that mean? Um, emotional care. Um, but I wanted to see what was happening. And, and from 2004 to the present, um, the, the search frequency, and, and that represents discussion and, and thought, um, content on the web has has almost doubled around this word care. Um, one potential source of that we live in this day and age of self care, right? So, all that to say, care is on the radar of the secular world of of the culture at large, not just the church. And it's not a hard concept to grasp, right? So, uh, you shared those passages. What is unique about what's presented in those passages that the typical, let's just say American, since many of our mis listeners are American, that the, the typical American wouldn't immediately perceive behind that idea of providing care? Yeah, I, th I think it's a case of uh, being across various cultures, 
it's probably a case where one kind of an out of sight, out of mind mentality. And so uh, you just, your time zones apart and your cultures apart. And so it's a case of, you know, I don't know how to relate to them and uh, the frequency with which I need, need to communicate. And uh, even a bit of, I'm not going to be able to relate to them much less, or are they going to be able to relate to me? And so uh, I think almost uh, a bit of just, um, apathy even to the idea of, you know, are we, are we able to, to relate to each other and therefore are we able to provide, uh, the necessary care that's needed, uh, would be, would be a major component to that. Yes. We've, we've talked about this before on the show and we've thought about it in depth, but you know, the, the, in many ways, heart wise and mind wise, there's a lot of connections between us and the biblical world as far as logistics go, like <laughs> just nothing similar, you know, the, the thought of, of, uh, you know, two, two missionaries trying to find each other in a city where Paul's, you know, trying to find Timothy and, and, uh, the inability to find each other just thinking, well, they don't have cell phones. They don't have email. I mean, it's kind of like word of mouth and figuring out like where to, you know, it's almost like, you know, doing detective work to find each other in these, these cities in the ancient world. And so, and even just the accessibility, I, I had a phone call with one of our uh, missionaries serving in Korea currently, and, you know, we could FaceTime and had a good conversation, but whereas, you know, you might go years without seeing someone in that time. So trying to bridge that gap between, you know, here's the principles we see in scripture, here's the command, we know that it's there for us to be engaged with it, but practically living it out seems to be, you know, take, take some work. So what are some of the practical suggestions, you know, for the 21st century that, that you would give us in, in carrying out some of these principles as we deal with missionaries? Yeah, I think um, one thing, and let me uh, back up real quick, even in Philippians 2, I think um, one thing that I would, would add uh, that somebody here in America might be able or uh, may not see uh, right on the surface or maybe look at and, and kind of be like, huh? It would be just the idea of sacrifice um, and, you know, do I want to be able to, to put myself out there um, and to be able to, um, you know, it may be that, that God's not calling me to long term, but even a short term stint like Epaphroditus uh, took and to be able to to give of myself, of my time, uh, be it for two weeks, six months, you know, two years to be able to, to go alongside and, and provide care and just understanding just the sacrifice that 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 demands um and counting the cost even even in that regard uh, is huge but i think uh too just some some practical ways i think one let me just uh, kind of work through just the order of pre-field on the field and, and post-field care i think pre-field one of the one of the practical things is for churches to really uh, begin to take ownership in doing pre-field assessment I think uh, churches are going to know their missionaries best, and uh, any anybody that's going alongside an agency obviously is going to have to go through uh, some interview processes and and things of that nature. But I think it's a case where churches um, are going to going to be able to know uh, their people best and be able to see them in uh, ministry context that the agency is not going to be able to see, and so to be able to rightly uh, understand. Is this candidate somebody that that we see is uh, called by God, and that that call is then affirmed by the local church? Are they emotionally, uh, spiritually, physically um, prepared to go to the field? It's not that 
you know, they're going to necessarily have uh, everything uh, in right order, but they're they're in a healthy spot such that they're going to be able to uh, thrive on the field. Um, you know, certainly issues that you have here uh, stateside, the volume only gets turned up on those things. The heat only gets turned up on those things as, as you go overseas. And so I think learning to um, uh, assess, you know, your candidates well on the pre-field side of things. And then I think uh, for on-the-field care, uh, I think uh, certainly prayer is a is a key component in that. And so uh, whether it be uh, putting your missionaries uh, before your church body on a regular basis, uh, be it in, in the church that I'm currently a member of, we have a mission spotlight uh, during the offering time each week. And so uh, a missionary is highlighted and we pray for that missionary during that period of time uh, or uh, another great idea that I've seen is to put uh, missionaries' names and uh, short bios in their member directory. And so you're able to, to see that and make a point every month to be praying through your member directory as well as praying for your partners on the field. Uh, but then another uh, key strategy, I think, uh, is to be able to provide advocacy teams. Now, you know, depending on the size of church that you have, it, it may determine uh, how robust you can provide this ministry. But I think even having uh, whether it be individuals that are assigned to particular partners or whether it be you've got uh, a whole team of, of lay um, members that are a part of an advocacy team for a particular partner and such that, that both the partner is advocated for, uh, but then also, too, that the church is advocated for. And so uh, that advocacy team or those advocacy leaders uh, would help in providing things such as uh, prayer requests, putting those before the body. It would be that those uh, advocacy groups are calling and having regular contact and correspondence with partners on the field, uh, knowing when birthdays are, anniversaries are, kind of being the first point and touch point of contact for the missionary as they uh, would be communicating back to the local church. As well, that advocacy uh, team member will then communicate to the field uh, to be able to catch uh, those missionaries up on things that are going on in the in the ascending church, and so uh, that's another way. Then I think too, um, and I've seen some churches uh, do this well, where they they set up not just uh, mission trips that have kind of a ministry component to it, but they set up trips that are more just pastoral care visits or member care visits. And so you send uh, maybe uh, one or two of your elders and a couple members over, or maybe it's uh, those members that have a bit more of capacity in their life. And so think about empty nesters that are going to be able to go over to the field and to be able to provide uh, extended periods of time and just love on love on missionaries to be able to just sit and be a listening ear for them to be able to um, give them, you know, tangible expressions of just gratitude and thanks, um, even in care packages and things like that, that they can deliver on the field uh, is another way. And then uh, as we move then from pre-field and on-field to then returning um, back from the field, I think uh, even those advocacy teams, uh, but also others within the church, I think helping missionaries think about even six months prior to coming back from the field, kind of what life is going to be like as they come back off the field, such that those missionaries can think through those transitional periods. And then, too, thinking about just what are uh, the practical needs of the missionaries they come back in uh, from being on the field, be it a car, uh, be it a, a mission house, um, getting the kids enrolled in school if, if that uh, need is there. Uh, and even too, I think giving them opportunity 
for the missionaries to speak back into the life of the church. And so looking for those avenues and opportunities uh, is another key way to provide uh, just that re-entry care. So I'll make a confession. Um, I was reading through one of your articles more focused on Epaphroditus and Philippians yesterday. And we've had this kind of big, hairy, audacious prayer at our church that in the coming months and years, likely years, we would send out a missionary from our fellowship. Uh, well, we're we're chilling at about 100 people right now. We, we probably have 50 or uh, probably 60 members. Um, so it's uh, it's not impossible. But um, I'm I'm reading this article of yours and I'm thinking, will God expand our sending capacity until we've shored up our caring capacity? Um, would he potentially not have us to send a missionary until we're adequately caring for those that we already support? And that's a question that goes through my mind. You already talked a little bit about church size and what's feasible. I, I think... Coming out of COVID, you know, that's that's not just a hypothetical question. I think churches or small churches had to cut back programs. There's been growth um, in our church. It's, it, you know, I fly by the seat of my pants. I can't speak for the rest of the staff, but I, I fly a little bit by the seat of my pants. And so what would be some unique encouragement that you'd give to uh, people in very small churches as to how to truly care well um, with limited resources? Sure. I mean, regardless of church size, I think there's there's a health to going deeper with fewer. And so even if uh, you've got, um, you know, thousand plus member church and you've got uh, expansive resources, a lot of times we think the more uh, mission partnerships that we have, uh, the more robust uh, and more recognition that we're going to receive in terms of, um, you know, our missions focus and that sort of thing. And yet, I think we've got to think whole church uh, in this and in such a way that the church understands that they understand their partners. They know their partners well. And so I think uh, one just encouragement that I would give is, is go deeper with fewer. And so don't think that, you know, just because you may have one, two, five, ten, you know, missionaries uh, as compared to maybe 25 or, or more that um, you're not doing something uh, in the kingdom. And as far as, um, sending it and caring. And so I think, uh, to start, uh, start with fewer, uh, and go deeper in those relationships such that the missionary knows the church well, and the church knows the missionary well. Uh, but then also too, I think start with, with just kind of where, um, where are the gifts within your church such that you're going to know, um, where to provide the best, the best care. And, and also too, coupled with that, or what are the needs of the missionary? And so I think um, seeing uh, God just kind of wed those two things together um, to be able to help provide adequate care where there are needs and where there are gifts uh, within the church. And so uh, Neil Perolo, who's written a lot on um, sending and, and a book called The Reentry Team, uh, talks a lot about just various opportunities to care, uh, everything from logistical support um, to things like, um, you know, uh, physical uh, support and uh, counseling support, things of that nature. And so thinking about just where are the gift sets within our church uh, such that we can kind of form our care strategy around those gift sets would be uh, another uh, encouragement that I would give. 
so on the on the other side of it, if you're a missionary listening and you may be thinking, I I wish I had care <laughs> and uh you know I, I don't know how to go about letting my church know. What what kind of advice would you give to a missionary on the field who's who's probably listening to this going like, I'm thankful for my agency but and I'm thankful for this financial support, but man, I wish I had some some uh, emotional support that he's describing. I'm feeling discontent <laughs> listening to this. Well, how how would you advise them to kind of begin be in the process of talking about this with their church? Yeah, I think some of it is um, as we spoke to earlier, and just where there's where we sense maybe an inadequacy uh, to be able to kind of cross back over those barriers of culture um, and distance and time is to be able to just be transparent. And to say, hey, you know, I'm a member of of your church. Uh, I don't just want to be seen as one who has been sent out and forgotten, uh, but rather I'm just an extension of uh, this local church, just in a different context and a different culture. And so uh, to be transparent and honest with that church, and particularly the leadership, and to say, you know, I would I would love, we would love some care. I think maybe even start with um, having some of the pastoral team come over uh, to be able to, to see the work and to be able to just provide a pastoral, uh, care visit and to be able to really sit down on the field, to be able to allow that, those, uh, leaders to be able to see your context, your culture, uh, to be able to walk alongside you such that as the leadership catches the vision for that care, then they're going to be able to really cast a vision for that for the rest of the, of the church body. And then, uh, from there to be able to then, uh, explain, you know, and, and kind of dialogue about ways in which, uh, you can best receive care from the church and in ways that maybe, um, you're going to be able to, to speak back into the life of the church, um, in a healthy way and in in a way that's going to help mobilize that body even more so. And so uh, that would, that would be one way. And, And then too, I think, um, just looking for those relationships that you're closest with. I know that, uh, even in my, uh, time, as a missions pastor, uh, those partnerships that seemed to go deepest and seemed to really kind of um, take hold the most within the the life and ministry of our church were those that uh, the missionaries were deeply invested, not just within uh, the relationships among the leadership of the church, mm-hmm. but also too within other other members uh, within the church. And so, even reaching back uh, to those members and saying, "Hey." you know, um, could we set up just a regular, uh, phone call? May it be, you know, every other, every other week or once a month, um, just to be able to have some sort of, of correspondence. And, you know, it could be, um, just a very casual conversation, or it could be, uh, dealing with, um, some very heavy crisis care counseling situations uh, as well, but at least just some regular touch points that, uh, you can provide. Ryan, this is helpful. I I think these are all good questions for people to ask and for a pastor listening uh, or, or maybe, maybe a missionary is listening to this and thinking, Oh goodness, I I'd love to send a link to this to my pastor. Well, it won't be perceived as passive aggressive. (laughs) If you feel the need to be cared for more, I'm giving you permission right now. Just share this link with your pastor and he'll forgive you uh, for it because uh, the, the need to care. And like you said, the need for churches to see their sent out workers as extensions of their own church. Um, that's not a common approach um, across denominations. That's a problem regardless of where the funding is coming from and how much skin that church has in the game. It's that inescapable problem of of out of sight, out of mind. So 
Ryan, any final encouragements and also how can people get more of your writing and your work? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, a couple of final encouragements. Um, one is just, uh, to see that, uh, churches have a key role in the sending, in the sending process, again, to, to kind of break the mentality that sending is the finish line, uh, but rather to see it as, as the starting line. And just as, um, missions history would teach us as William Carey, you know, said, uh, if, if I will go down, you know, then you'll hold the rope and that, uh, we need rope holders yeah. on the on the other end uh, to be able to uh, be there uh, for when when tough times come. Uh, there's there's multi layers of um, things that missionaries go through, and so for for local churches um, to see that uh, missionaries need you, need your encouragement, need your support, uh, but then also too for for missionaries to see uh, their opportunity to speak back into the life of the church to be able to encourage and to exhort and to um, help mobilize uh, their church uh, to be on mission. And and one of the ways that that you can best do that is through missionary care. I think as far as uh, ways that you can continue to uh, read uh, the stuff I'm writing on missionary care, again, uh, as has been referenced, is the Upstream Collective. Um, I'll write on other topics outside of missionary care, but uh, you can go to the Upstream collective.com uh, uh, to get those blogs as well. I've, I've written a few blogs on uh, the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Seminary's website. And so you can uh, Google that and uh, find uh, that blog post or those blog posts there uh, on that mm. uh, Great Commission Seminary or Great Commission Center's uh, website. Great Commission Center at Southeastern. Ryan, thank you so much. We appreciate that. And uh, again, uh, listeners, you have permission to share it with your church leadership. It's not passive aggressive. It's okay. They'll get the idea. We can all care for missionaries better. If you go to to the rating section, click five-star rating and hit send, and then a little indulgence will pop up that you can just click and copy into your email from Alex directly to your pastor. Every time a coin in the... the (laughs) Coffer. Hope everyone knows we're kidding. Clings. We have some people who right. don't know that we're joking, but yes. You know, right. A, a soul from Purgatory Springs. Not not quite, but um, something like that. Scott and I have some, um, <laughs> we have some issues to work out here. But Ryan, thank you for joining us on the show today. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for being a part of this. Go to Missions pot- Podcast. Not podcast, podcast. Go to Missions <laughs> speaking Podcast. Speaking <of> <laughs> Yeah, speaking of issues podcast.com for more content every episode comes out sunday night at 7 p.m and we'll see you next week on the missions podcast